17, Circuity. And you are going in circles. <laughs> and I think, hey, nice beret, by the way. Oh, you like that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Very nice. Where'd you find that one? Uh, Uncle Fred's chest in the attic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. Welcome, dear friends, to Fusebox episode 17, Circuity. I'm your host, Mark Rose, and this is The Conduit of Convolution. Webster defines circuity as not a clear path forward. Well, yeah, <laughs> tell Dr. Obvious that it's still pretty vague where I'm standing. <laughs> well, me too. I mean, <laughs> looks pretty foggy from here. Uh, well, it, it will become clearer the farther we get from this place. I think that's how it works out. And uh, everything is, you know, according to plan, as they say. So we'll, we'll just keep, keep thinking good thoughts and uh, moving forward in that way. And it's true, though, right? Sometimes the road in front of us is a little obscured by clouds or debris of some such sort or whatever, and we're very, very, very oftentimes unsure of just where that path is leading. But just between you, me, and the Japanese pocket squirrels, I think we knew that when we signed on for this gig. Oh. Wait a minute there, Padrone. I don't remember filling out any forms for this ride. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. Because that, too, was part of the ride that you signed on for. See what I'm saying there? You see how that works? <laughs> I think you're delusional. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, no, I'm not. Anyway, I digress. I want to take a moment here just to uh, commemorate the tenacity of many folks, and by that I mean folks who have been swinging at this uh, prospect for many, many years. Frank Nora is probably the most known example of that because he's been doing this for 13 years or so or better. Our comrade here on the channel, PQ River, also celebrated a five-year anniversary of uh, both the Overnightscape Central program and his other program, the Night Project. And uh, in addition to that, just, you know, a bevy of shows prior for five years. And uh, what, what I want to say in addition to that is this particular medium that we're all participating in here right now that uh, actually took flight in 2005, the, quote, podcasting thing, it has a very unique evolutionary cycle in a show. I'm sure many have experienced this. It gets very exciting in the beginning because it's a brand new thing. You, you're empowered to do it. You've got things to say. And much of that doesn't change. What changes is our relationship to the thing we're doing because it becomes, folks, a job. After a while, once you realize that you have started something, you really do need to continue it, generally. <laughs> Particularly something like this. Oh, sure, you can drop off. Many have. I have. You know, I, I started in this podcasting world back in 2005 with a, a host of other folks. But the fact is, life intervenes and intervenes more and more 
as the work becomes more worky because you realize that you've got to do a lot of things to put this program together, whether it's a produced kind of thing like I'm doing or whether it's just a very simple show. It doesn't matter. The work is still there. You still have to think about it. And even more than that, when that mic is hot and you're talking, you got to be thinking. And that's an energy. And that, after a period of time, uh, does just... It, it just doesn't happen. You know, the, the muse isn't there. Or the, the, the energy isn't there. So I guess what all of that, all of that to say is that everyone here who is doing it has been doing it and will continue to do it. You are to be commended because it takes a tenacity to do this. And uh, I also want to say that for those out there at any point that feel that little pang of guilt because, oops, I missed a week or, oh, I should, be a sh I should do a show now or wow, wow, wow. You know what? Don't do that. The only reason I'm going to say that is, you know, I think it's even more important for all of us to make a pact with ourselves and the audience to put up the best stuff we can. And if it's a slight delay between shows or whatever, the world will continue, I promise you, you know, and they're not going to forget us either because absence makes the heart grow fonder. You mean the absinthe makes your heart grow fond? Yes, well, I would even say absinthe makes the heart grow greener, but that's me, see? They say you have a drinking problem, man. <laughs> yeah, I know they have. I know they have. But, you, but, 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 but wait, hear me out. No, no, I don't have a drinking problem because I can find it anytime I want. See, that's the, there's no problem. You understand? So the long and the short of it is that when there are gaps between shows... And certainly there will be gaps in this program from time to time because of work or whatever, but it's okay. We need to give all of ourselves that space to be able to put the best thing up we can and not just fill space or do quantity over quality. I just don't get it, you know, myself. That's me talking. That's my little uh, two bits on that. And all I want to say is congratulations to everyone who has continued to do this for however long that is. Indeed. And now, let's talk about a jerk. Don't be that chick. Hi, I'm Rachel. Are you ready to order? Yes. I would like a Cobb salad. But I don't want romaine hearts. Only romaine leaves. Oh. And please, please, please make sure the bacon is crispy. Because if the bacon isn't crispy, I'll send it back. Because I cannot stand bacon that isn't crispy. So write that down, crispy bacon. I simply don't understand why anyone would serve limp bacon in a Cobb salad. I really don't. How can anyone eat bacon that isn't crispy? So please make sure the bacon is crispy. Did you write that down, Rachel? Hmm? Did you? I need to know that you wrote down that I want crispy bacon. And I don't see you writing, Rachel. Why aren't you writing? Oh, I see. You don't want me to have crispy bacon. Is that it, Rachel? That's it, isn't it? You want my bacon to be limp and not crispy, don't you? You little whore, don't you? <gasps> you think you're better than me. That's it, isn't it? You get off serving limp bacon, don't you, slut? Limp bacon slut? Dirty, filthy slut whore? That fucking bacon better be crispy, bitch! 
Limp bacon whore. Limp bacon whore. And just a reminder, dear friends, as uh, I mentioned on the last program, the don't be that guy, don't be that chick uh, thing that we're doing here, we are uh, opening up the doors for suggestions of what kind of people you would like to see showcased in some way. I'm sure we've all encountered someone who has to uh, be stentorious about their proclamation and... Uh, the world's filled with it. So uh, what we were uh, mentioning last time was that if you have a suggestion for that, and by the way, this doesn't have to be a script. It's just like, hey, remember that guy who does X? You know, whatever. Um, send that along and, and send it along to Fusebox at FuseAudioDesign.com and we will get it. And Milt, would you say that again for them? Because you know they like to hear you. You think? <laughs> That's Fusebox at FuseAudioDesign.com. Oh, and you didn't mention that we'll give them something from the store if we use their suggestion. And the other announcement that goes hand in glove and gland in gland along with that is, of course, the big news that the store is open. That's right. Yes, we've we've put up a a fuse box store that has a a, a bunch of stuff, and we're adding stuff all the time. Uh, I say it's pretty cool stuff. I'm not big on the Chotskys thing. Though. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I, me too. Yeah, yeah. I I think this stuff is fabulous. I, I you know the designs are are much of the designs come from the show art that we've been using on these programs. But oh, and uh, thanks to my buddy Jeff Pollard at PollardDesign.com for a lot of that hard work too. There will be some other things that are unshow art related that will also be amusing to you. There's just some really fun stuff in there, and uh, in the show notes here is the actual link to that particular store, so you can poke around. And by the way, you know, we ought to get your mug on some of these things. I mean, actually, maybe your mug on a mug. You know, it, You'd have to catch me first. <laughs> well, that might be arranged. I don't know. I could surround you by Japanese pocket squirrels and see how far you get, you don't know? get me started. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I know you hate them. I, I mean, it's all right. It's fine. It's fine. We, 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 uh, it feels okay. like I gotta take a Brillo bath every time I'm around those vermin. I know, but there's, 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 there's more coming. Okay, later I have something for you. I know you're not gonna come out of there, but I, I know you're gonna enjoy this. So, stand by for that. Matter of fact, I should be running video right now, just to see. And by the way, why don't you give them that address so that you know they don't have to be hunting for a link. So it's zazzle.com forward slash fuse audio. Thank you. The dulcet tones of Milt Keynes, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, uh, the other thing is that goes kind of hand in hand with this, of course, is that there is also in the merchandise idea here, there is also the Onsug Guide, which is this amazing tome detailing the history of the Overnightscape Underground from its inception created and produced and 
written and directed and cover-arted and all that good stuff by Frank Edward Nora, and it's on Amazon right now. Just look for The Onsug Guide. That's O-N-S-U-G, Guide. You'll see it. It's in there. And uh, like I say, I think it's a, a paltry eight bucks or something for, for the thing. And so please check that out if you have not, because, you know, all this little stuff, it all supports everybody. That's what it does. And I, I can't say enough good things about that, considering <laughs> these programs that you're listening to on the underground. Well, they're all up on Frank's server, you know, that he rents for whatever from the uh, the kindness of his heart is sort of opening up that doorway to all of us to kind of park on there. But that's, you know, a very generous thing. And uh, so anything that can be thrown back into the coffers to help folk around here, I think that's a grand and glorious thing. And uh, I support that wholeheartedly. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Gonna ruffle a few feathers here. Oh, brother. Yeah, I know, because we already had this. We already had this conversation. All right, I, I, I know. People I know. love their vinyl, man. Hell, I love it. I know. I'm not gonna make any. I know. Okay, let's talk about vinyl records for a minute. I probably should be putting yeah. the barricades up around <laughs> the studio, man. I mean, really. Yeah, you might want to. I don't know. There could be problems. We should be, you know, alerting the media or maybe the cops. I don't know. All right, look. One of the things that's happening here in uh, the Pacific Northwest is there are vinyl mastering houses opening up in some spaces that were once closed even to take care of the rather large demand for vinyl albums these days. And it's very funny because most of the folks I know who worked in that industry over the years, you know, turned the lights out, put their coat on and walked and never turned back. Uh, and a lot of those machines and things are sitting in mothballs in places, and the people who knew how to repair them are gone, and it, it's kind of that world. But there are some brave souls out there who are cranking up the machine again, and they are meeting the demand. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty astounding that this thing is uh, is happening. And, you know, the nostalgia connected to, to the vinyl record and stuff is well known. It's just, it's it's a part of early 20th century myth, if you're asking me. But anyway. uh, (laughs) Making friends, buddy. (laughs) No, but but listen, listen, listen. There's a reason why, and I'm going to just, I'm just going to cut to the chase here, folks. I I am not at all a fan of vinyl records. There is no component of that thing other than the fact that it's big. I do miss that. You could see the artwork. You could read the lyrics. You could study the pictures and just get completely immersed in that stuff. Love that. However, sonically, it was, to me, kind of like playing music on a tuna fish. I just, there was nothing attractive to that sound quality to me at all. And now, admittedly, I had a little issue when I was a youngster, which sort of put me on a path. Well, kind of put me on two paths, as you're going to see in a second. But it put me on a path to not be as fond of this thing. So, look, I'm about, what, four and uh, music was always in the house. And so my dad was a big record collector of all sorts of things. And he had this one album of uh, what could be called Caribbean steel drum music, for lack of whoever they were at the time. I don't know. And I became fascinated by that sound. I don't know. I'm four. You know, it's like, I love that sound. Please play that over and over and over again. So at nap time, they used to 
roll the little record player out, you know, into the back bedroom there and turn it on and put it on repeat play. You could do that. And it would just play the stuff over and over again. And I would drift off and be happy as a clam and wake up and, you know, I'm in Polynesia or wherever. So one fateful day, same process, put the record on. I went to sleep. Probably an hour later or something, I awoke and uh, realized I awoke to the sounds of hell. Because what was happening, dear friends, is that the record player had somehow shifted from its 33 position to 16. And so, the steel drum music sounded like it came from hell. And that was a traumatizing moment for a little kid. And uh, for me, it introduced me to the principles of mangling audio, which of course, probably, via that trauma, I have been doing ever since. <laughs> and you get paid for it. <laughs> and I do, yes. And so there, there it is. But it's stuck in my head, and th from that point on, listening to a, a record album was both pleasurable because I like the music on it, but it was also, there's that little pang underneath going, I sure hope it stays at the right speed. <laughs> and then, of course, there were the chunks and clicks and pops. Well, listen, folks, does this sound really good to you? I mean, I'm just chatting along here, and there's all sorts of stuff in here. Hums and buzzes. See, this is not perfect audio to me. And I, admittedly, I live in this world, but still. Really? Is this really? Yeah. As I got older and, and uh, I, I got more into the popular music thing, I realized that uh, as I was listening to an album, the closer it got to the end of the disc, you know, towards the center there, it sounded worse. It started getting tinnier, and the frequencies sounded like they were dropping out, and we'd, we'd, we'd only be stuck with about a third of what we had <laughs> at the beginning of the album. And that was later confirmed to me by Frank Zappa, uh, <laughs> who, who basically, in his infinite wisdom, always put particular tracks on those extreme inside bands because he knew that as the record got closer to the inside, the audio quality would start to diminish to a point where it didn't sound very good. And this is what I'm trying to say about all this, by the way. I understand the nostalgic thing of it. I understand about some people just actually being physically attracted and you know enamored with the, the artifacts of that, the cracks and the pot. That's fine. I get that. But for someone on this side of the glass who has spent a fair amount of time creating work that later became that for somebody, and then particularly my friends who were mastering engineers, this is a very strange format because it's basically designed to deteriorate your audio quality. Now, I know there are people out there right now saying, are you kidding? I haven't found any CD ever made by any human being that sounds as good as this album. All I can say about that is that that's not the fault of the vinyl or the CD. It's the fault of the engineer. Because there isn't anything that's done today, whether it's tape or digital or whatever, that cannot replicate perfectly an actual live performance. Not an enhanced, over-modulated, and warmly distorted performance, <laughs> which is really when they're, when they're talking about warmth, that's really what it is, folks. It's harmonic distortion. And, you know, you can't really hear it, you feel it. But, and yeah, it does impart a certain thing. 
And I, I, I totally understand that. That's why on the other end of the field, you've got these devices that actually saturate audio to make it sound like that. It's, it's really weird, but that's the world we're in right now. But the fact being, eh, still doesn't sound that good. <laughs> it's, you know, the wow thing and the flutter. Your picture just went up at the post office. Oh, I know. So do we have like the crowd with torches and pitchforks yet? That that could be the... You did create a bit of a monster, man. Yeah. The thing to bear in mind with this is that the amount of effort that's placed into creating a piece of music, and if anyone out there has ever done that and gone through that process and went to mastering and did all that, you know, you realize the hairs that you pull out by trying to get something done the way it sounds in your head. And then when it gets put on this little piece of vinyl it translates into something completely different. Now, the gifted vinyl engineers who know all that and know that famous RIAA curve thingy, well, they'll do the best they can with your stuff, but it's still going to sound really different. <laughs> yeah, just don't, uh, just don't like them. Glad they're coming back because if it puts people to work and they're having fun and people are using it, good for you. But my personal taste, and it is all about my personal taste, right? It's not for me. You know, and even CDs now. There, I mean, that whole thing is going by the wayside, which for me, again, is actually great because that way most of us can release this content exactly the way it was initially recorded. And for some of us, that's at 192 kilohertz. Wouldn't that be grand? It's going to be a fat file, folks, but it's going to sound great. So, you know, all that to say that, once again, old technologies becoming new again. So let's hope they don't get too inspired with this and start bringing back eight tracks. When we come back, investigations. Do you like money and cars? Always wish total strangers would take your picture without permission? Think you have what it takes to be a big star? Hi folks, I'm Tid Trentwell, famous actor, and I'm here to tell you about an opportunity of a lifetime. If you enjoy the hilarity, tomfoolery, and zany shenanigans you listen to every week on Fusebox, then you too just might have the it factor we're looking for. All the famous actors you hear on Fusebox, like that one chick who's funny, and the guy with the pants, all have it. And maybe you have it too, or think you have it, or maybe just wished you had it. I know, you're saying, but Tid, what exactly is it, and where can I get it? Why, just leave that to the professional famous actors at Fusebox to help. Send your headshot and $300 to actingactorsactinginaction.actionactingbackslashactor.action.com and with just one look, we'll know if you have it. Ladies, be sure to include your measurements. I'm Ted Trentwell, and I'll see you on the radio. I had mentioned that I had uh, discovered some new technology here at the abode that wasn't there previously. That new technology, ladies and gentlemen, was a Sputnik. It magically appeared one day, fully, well, nearly fully assembled at the time. Apparently, it is now. So, 
I am going to go upstairs, grab this thing, and bring it down in here where we might have a look-see. What do you think? Whoa. Hey. What? What? what, what? Do we take a break? Yeah, yeah. Well, we just took one, man. What, what do you want me to do? Y you can fill it. Why don't you, uh, you know... Tell him a bedtime story. I'm just, no, I'm just gonna go and I will get it. It's kind of heavy, I gotta tell you that. It's extremely heavy and uh, I'll be right back because it's just up here and uh, I'll be uh, Oh, for be crying out loud. Well, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, well, I hate this, yeah, I, I, I really hate this extemporaneous crap, you know? It's not my thing at all. Ah, uh, so, what to do? Well, could tell you about the infamous projectile vomiting incident at a live radio call-in show I was bored up on. Man, that guy was so drunk, and 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 he was huge. He he must have been like. Uh, Seven feet tall. Oh man! And then, and then he no, pinned the I really could to the show a to a the little back help wall. Would be good. Know? And then he was like, "Um, son of a, I don't know if they've got this thing weighted with like bricks. Uh, man, this thing is heavy. Let me, if I can put this down here." Oh, jeez. Holy shit. Whew. Man. Well, there it is. Yeah, see? Look at look at this. This is like, uh, this is glass. Look at that. No, no, don't like the look of that. It's nice. Now, now my question, of course, is somewhere on this item, there must be a way to get it open, you know? I mean, this thing, I, you can't get the li Whoa, how about that? Kind of looks like something from Lost in Space or some crap. I don't think Erwin Allen had anything to do with this. Wow. Has black ops written all over it, man. Oh, come on. What? What? Seriously. Bad times, my friend. Really? I wish they were listening that intently, buddy, but I, I, I really doubt it. I re really doubt it. All right. What's this thing? Look at that. What, the spiky thing? No, that, that, no, over oh, here. Yeah, the, that, oh, that. The red thing? Yeah, the red thing. Looks like a clown nose. And no, I'm not getting closer. <laughs> you know, anytime a person sees something like this, it's like this compelling force to, to push it. I don't, why is that? Because you're an idiot. It, it's, it's... <laughs> It's in every bad movie we've ever seen. So we'll just be one too. I'm gonna push it. Oh, it's Look at that. ET sending you fan mail. Look at that. Well, it's, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't read this. I don't know what this says. It's, uh, they're like little, uh, hieroglyphic thingies, uh, it looks Probably like... Probably some ancient Japanese pocket squirrel rune or some such shite. It's not Japanese, no. It looks like some kind of, some kind of, I don't know. I have no idea. It could be a grocery list for all I know. I have no idea. But, uh, I don't know what we just did. Stepped in it, Padrone. And we didn't. 
You did. <laughs> but judging by the sounds that are going on in there, you hear that little guy in the background there? I, I, some, there's, there's some kind of intercom thing going on? I don't know. Anyway, I think I'm just going to button this thing up, put it back upstairs since they're sleeping and they don't know anything about this right now. I'm just going to go put it back. Probably the best idea you've had yet. Yeah, I think it is too. I think it is too. And so I'm just going to do that. And um, you guys uh, take a listen to this and I will be right back. The following preview has been approved for all audiences. Rage has a new face. Twisted and misshapen, a face masking a deeper anger, a darker hate. A hate so dark, its black darkness darkens the blackest, darkest night of black darkness. And an anger so deep in its deep deepness, it only deepens deeply as... Hello? Hello. Are you happy with your current long-distance provider? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess so. But I'm a little busy, so I can't talk right now. Would you like to save up to 30% off your long-distance calls? Well, sure, who wouldn't? But I'm I'm in the middle of some... And you can save an additional 10% simply by pledging your soul to the devil. What? Pledge my soul to the devil? No! No, forget it. I'm hanging up now. Why not? You're not even using your soul. We want it. Give us your soul. No! No, you can't have it, all right? It's not for sale! Stupid, stinking, stupid telemarketer, stupid heads! Yes, Rage has a new face. Timo's world. So everything okay? Oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. They're they were uh, asleep, and so all is fine. I I'm, the only thing I'm wondering about is if I got it back in the exact right pr- position. I, I think I did, but I don't know. Probably should have been more careful about that, huh? You're a real James Bond, buddy. No, I'm not. Getting back to more programmatic things here, folks. Uh, Indeed, the next Teemo is coming at you. It'll be uh, in the next program, and it is a culinary delight, I promise you. So from time to time, we've been um, sampling some uh, music from a collection called Transcription that's by Kryle Goust. As I mentioned before, this, this project is due to come out this summer, uh, it's just, <laughs> speaking of vinyl albums, it's been waiting in a mastering queue. I'm trying to get the funds together to get <laughs> this thing mastered. So it's sitting there right now, but soon as it's, uh, soon as that falls into the appropriate coffer, we'll get this over to those nice cats so they can do their thing. But I wanted to play this because it's a very cool track. And... Um, it has an interesting sort of backstory. Uh, a dear friend of mine who still resides in Florida is a very well-known, internationally renowned percussionist named Gumbi Ortiz. And uh, Maestro Gumbi has played with Sting, uh, Paul Simon, Miles Davis. He, this guy has played... 
His, uh, his list of accomplishments kind of make you nuts. They are insane. And he's also one of the most fascinating and delightful people I'm privileged to call friend on this planet. And uh, his gig right now, and has been for, seems like over two decades, is the percussionist with a jazz guitarist by the name of Al DiMiola. Many will remember Al as being sort of a guitar god back in the day. He was a a jazz guitarist who who was with Return to Forever, and then he did Elegant Gypsy and Kiss My Axe and all those things. He's still working, he's still touring, and he's still out there. And uh, Goombi is traveling with him and doing all that. One of the last things I did in Florida before I left there was uh, an album with Goombi called The Mango Project. Um... (laughs) You might be able to find that on CD, baby. I don't know. But you can find it from me if you're that interested. But anyway, it was a a world album because I'd always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to do uh, a world music album. And uh, we put one together that was very fun to do. And uh, one of the tracks uh, sung by a guy named Freddie Montez was uh, sung in an ancient and very lost Nigerian dialect called Nanyigo which is amazing to me. Uh, but it's on that track. Uh, I can't recall what the... Milt, can you please... Yeah, can you find what the track is? New Yoruba. Yes, that's right, New Yoruba. Yeah, so Freddie Montez singing his heart out on that one. Really, really interesting piece. That was a great experience. It was uh, the last thing I did in Florida back in... Uh, this This was like uh, 99. Um, and then I, I moved out to the Pacific Northwest here. Flash forward a few years, we're working on this project for Kryle Gaust, and um, we get this thing together, and this little track is sitting there, and it's like, uh, it's just not happening. And it has a certain world flavor to it, but uh, it's just not locking up. And so I thought, well, you know what? Let me send this to Goombi and see if, well, A, even likes it. And if he does, then maybe, you know, he can suggest some things. So we sent it along to him, and sure enough, yes, he liked it. He liked it so much that he put his band on it. And so they sent me all the tracks back, and <laughs> I took those, those pieces and reassembled them into uh, this, uh, this here thing. And uh, this here thing, called Apuro de la Naranya, or Naranya, if you prefer, I don't care, is a, a story about a girl who looks like an orange essentially. So I'm, so I'm told. Yes, so uh, Gumbi and, uh, and comrades are supplying all vocals and uh, percussion. I thought it turned out great. But anyway, here it is from uh, that Kryle Gaust project, soon to be coming, uh, called Transcription. This is Opuro de la Noranya. <laughs> Yo me hacen ganas sobre 
Gumbi Ortiz helping out there on the Kryl Gaust track called Apuro de la Naranya. Coming up, uh, hoping to get this released uh, sometime this uh, summer in, in a downloadable form, ladies and gentlemen. We're not doing any CDs with this, but uh, it will be a fun project, uh, Kryl Gaust's transcription. So I'll keep you posted on that. And a reminder, please, to visit the Fusebox store and poke around. And, and if you see something that you would like in some other configuration, please, by all means, let us know at Fusebox at FuseAudioDesign.com. That's FuseAudioDesign.com. A special big thanks to Gumby Ortiz, Jeff Pollard, and Tara Timothy for their contributions to this edition of Fusebox. I've been your host, Mark Rose, and hopefully will remain so, unless abducted by the Japanese pocket squirrel secret police, right? Huh? I like the hat. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I do. No, I like it. It's good. Fits you. And technical assistance on this show, provided by the lovely and talented Milt Kane. Always a player. So, friends... Until our next cartoon. Fuse.